millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There is nothing I love more than an amazing meal with high-quality meat cooked at home because... Let's be honest, eating out is so expensive. And you also know that eating out is the number one budget buster. That is why I am so glad I found ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service dedicated to delivering high-quality, grass-fed and grass-finished beef, organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood directly to your doorstep with free shipping always. You even get exclusive member deals, recipes, and a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing price. New users will receive their choice of two pounds of ground beef, three pounds of chicken thighs, or one pound of premium steak tips for a year. Use code ETM and get $20 off your first box at ButcherBox.com. Last night, we made a beef stew with meat from ButcherBox, and you can taste the difference. It was so satisfying and delicious. And all of our friends that were over for a dinner party, they raved at how good it was. So do yourself a favor and eat better this year with the best meat and seafood on the planet delivered to your door. ButcherBox is offering my listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential. Three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm and use code etm to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Twenty twenty three. Wow, you have been a very interesting year. I don't know how you feel about twenty twenty three, but it has definitely thrown me for a loop in more ways than one. I don't think I was actually prepared for twenty twenty three. Hopefully, your twenty twenty three has gone a lot better than mine. But a lot of my friends, a lot of people in my circle, are really echoing my sentiments. The twenty twenty three has been quite a year. While I was so thrilled to be a guest on Jordan's podcast, Earn and Invest. If you have not listened to the Earn Invest podcast, I highly suggest you check it out. I had the privilege of being on his recent episode where we talked about the seven biggest financial headlines of 2023. And I just love this episode. It was myself, Jordan, and Joe Salcihai from the Stacking Benjamins podcast that I thought, you know what, I want to bring you this full episode in its entirety. So with Jordan's permission, uh, what you're going to hear is my episode with Jordan and Joe on the Earn Invest podcast. And we're going to be talking about the seven biggest financial headlines of 2023. So let's get into it. 2023 has been a tumultuous year in more ways than one. Still coming off the waves of the pandemic economy and trying to adjust to a virtual world where job security seems tenuous, we have been confronted by turmoil both economic and otherwise. Bank failures, Fed rate hikes, inflation, advanced worries about the next presidential election. 
The topics are various and have enthralled us all year long. Today, we take a look back. What are some of the biggest financial headlines of 2023? To help me with this weighty topic, we welcome Joe Salcihai and Shauna Game. Shauna Game is a certified financial planner on a mission to revolutionize how millennials and really everyone thinks, acts, and feels about their finances. She's the host of the university popular and top-ranked iTunes podcast, Everyone's Talking Money. Joe Salcihai is the creator and co-owner of the Stacking Benjamins podcast, also known as the greatest money show on earth. He's the author of Stacked, Your Super Serious Guide to Modern Money Management. Joel and Shauna, welcome to Earn and Invest. Joe, we were kind of just joking before we got started that you had a long list. Was 2023 a particularly newsworthy year when it comes to personal finance? It felt for me a little monochrome for the most part. I don't know. I'm curious to, to see if Shauna thinks the same. But I felt like there were just a couple of themes that just kept rearing their ugly head over and over and over throughout the year. Different than most years when we've done these, uh, Doc, when, you know, we can say, hey, in January, this happened. And in April, we were surprised when this happened. It just felt like the same dragon kept coming back. Interesting, Shauna. Monochrome, what do you think? Was this a particularly varied year? Did it seem like Joe was saying that we just kind of kept hitting the same themes? Yeah, I think that's that was my takeaway from this year, too, is like we kept, we kept hearing the same things over and over again. And I think a lot of listeners on my show kept sending in questions about the same things, like, should I be worried about this again? This is happening again. And it, it almost... It, it, there was like a place of complacency at some you know point in time. I mean, I know we'll probably talk about rate hikes. And I think, you know, after a while, people were just like, okay, I mean, I guess here's another rate hike, you know, so I, I would I would agree. I think it was it was kind of the same messages over and over and over again, Joe, that that brings kind of a bigger question, the same as it ever was phenomena. I mean, it seems like year in year out, we have these conversations. Are we just repeating ourselves over and over again? <laughs> You know, I think we need to though, because I think it's the current stories that bring us back to the to the time uh, proven truths. Right? There's not that many new ideas in finance, and whenever there are, I've been doing this long enough. You guys have been doing this long enough that you kind of roll your eyes, and somebody's like, "Oh no, this is the new new thing," right? <laughs> and then you're like, "Yeah, okay, whatever." And then the new new thing's gone. I mean, we you know we were joking with somebody last week about how long has it been since you've heard the phrase "diamond hands." But a couple of years ago, that's all you heard was diamond hands, right? And I don't, I don't even remember gone. what that is anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I believe there was a whole GameStop uh, Bitcoin time, you know, the, all this. Yeah, to the moon, to the moon. Yeah, to the moon, <laughs> taking it to the moon. People cashing their whole 401k and going to the moon. So, so, so Shauna, I've asked this a few times, but are we wasting our time then? I mean, we spend all this time talking about current events and it seems like either the same things keep on coming up or... This crazy stuff comes up and never rears its head again. Should we put our head in the sand and not pay attention? I mean, that would be certainly the easier way to do things, right? <laughs> but I don't think that that helps any of us. You know, I think one of the things that I I know that we all echo uh, about money, one of the messages that we that we keep talking about is this idea that we have to talk about money. It's how why I named my show what I named it. And so I think, you know, talking about these current events, although they might seem like, okay, here we go again, we're talking about the same thing over and over again. I think it's just a good way to to, to open the door to conversations about money and help 
people, you know, figure out what they need to pay attention to and what is just kind of background noise, uh, you know, that's happening because there is a lot of noise. You know, we talk about money. There's there's a lot of trends and things that come and, and a lot of things that people should probably just put blindfolders on. But I think a lot of the things we'll talk about today are you know things we need to we need to at least understand and have a frame of reference of of how they impact us you know day to day. Joe, I feel like especially here on Earn and Invest, we tend to get really philosophical. One of the reasons I like talking about the current events is it allows us to take the philosophy and bring it towards modern day practice. It helps us get out of our heads and actually maybe discuss why this stuff is important to us today, not just philosophically kind of discussing what 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 we where we should be mentally. Oh no, you know what's funny is how often this occurs. We see something in the popular press and we go, "Oh, that's a great reminder of this long hidden truth." Right? And I'll give you I'll give you the first example. January 1st of this year, actor Jeremy Renner was in a horrific accident with a snowplow. And so when I went looking at like what what happened in 2023, I forgot that was January 1st. So for people that don't know him, he's you know one of the Avengers in the Marvel Universe. He was famously in the Hurt Locker. I think he might have won the Academy Award. That movie won a lot of Academy Awards. So he's this great actor with a phenomenal career cut short, right, right. I mean, people could say he's at the peak of his career. And it's this reminder that we're not promised tomorrow, which, Doc, goes back to your philosophy point, right? We're not promised tomorrow. And then second, what's the insurance everybody needs but nobody ever wants to buy? Disability coverage. Disability coverage is the one when I was a practicing financial planner, everybody's like, no, I'm a safe skier. Well, it's not about you, right? And then things, weird things happen. If you look into what happened with the snowplow accident, it was the weirdest, strangest thing that happened that derailed everything for him. And that was January 1st of last year. So Jeremy Renner did not make my list, but I am going to talk about what I believe were the seven biggest financial stories slash headlines of 2023. Headline one, don't worry, your money is perfectly safe in the bank. <laughs> You're laughing already. In 2023, we witnessed the three largest bank collapses in U.S. history. The rise of interest rates contributed to the fall of Silicon Valley Bank on March 10th and Signature Bank on March 12th. Depositors' faith in the banking system was shaken, and then the contagion spread as far as the EU, where Credit Suisse collapsed and was bought by competitor UBS Group on March 19th. The crisis left First Republic Bank tottering and a fusion of $30 billion in April bought it some time, but it fell on May 1st and was sold to J.P. Morgan Chase in the second biggest bank failure in American history. Shauna, what do banks failing mean to your average consumer? What does that mean to you and I? Wow. Uh, you know, I was, I was thinking back to... Um... When you're when you're just describing that, I was thinking back to you when when COVID came out, and you know they were saying uh, it's going to be two weeks, like we're all going to shut down for two weeks, and then everything <laughs> will be fine. And I remember thinking, like, there's no way, there is no way here in the United States, like we're going to shut down for two weeks. Like this is not happening. And of course, we Ten all days know max. How, yeah, right. We all know how that story unfolded. So you know, when when you're talking about bank failures, I think you know, people, just average people, right? We put our money in our in our bank and we expect that our money is going to be there. We don't even think about the process that happens behind the scenes of, of our money or the fact that our money isn't even held in the bank, right? We could, we could kind of go on and on about that. But I think for the average person, we don't 
question things like, you know, is the money I put in my bank safe? Will it be there when I need it? And so I think headlines like this, it really kind of shakes the foundation of people's kind of core beliefs about will my money be there? Am I making the right decisions? You know, I, I get questions all the time about what is the best safe bank for me to put my money in? <laughs> and I'm like, wow, well, if you could tell me that, that would be really great because I would love that answer. And so, you know, I think these 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 stories and these headlines are just a, a reaffirmation of of questioning um, everything about money. You know, people already have this this fear around money and every decision they make. And the last thing they want to think about is, is you know, is their money safe in the bank? And, and will this happen to them? And the question is, we don't know. You know, we don't know. I think we, that's what this showed is we don't know. And we don't know the ripple effects that that this will have. Well, and this is one of those times, I think, Shauna, where name brand actually mattered. You know, when when Silicon Valley Bank, if if somebody went there because they just saw they had a great promotion or a great rate and they didn't know the background of that bank, the type of businesses they were involved in, which is clearly around the run on that bank is who their primary customer was, then somebody could have had grandma's money swept up in this in this horrible debacle. It, It just reminds me very much, you know, history repeats itself. That's where we started this whole conversation. I just remember when Robinhood came on the scene and you look at all the mistakes Robinhood's made along the way, Robinhood continued to gain market share. And yet Robinhood steal from the rich and give to the poor. It was steal from everybody and put the money in their pocket. And they were making mistakes that were either they didn't know how the hell stuff worked or they were lying to us. And I don't want to believe either one of those. And yet we saw people still get sucked up in the Robin Hood game when clearly, even though Charles Schwab, not your buddy, Fidelity, not your buddy, Vanguard, not your buddy, just these name brand companies that have been around forever that we know are names that we probably can trust much more than a Robin Hood. I think what's what's interesting about the whole Robin Hood phenomenon too is and you know, tying back to these banks is is there's this whole movement of just trying to buck the system and trying to buck you know, everything that that we know to, I don't know, maybe be true or, you know, maybe be one of these kind of old guards that that might be more trustworthy for your money. There's this just sort of undertone lately that, you know, just keeps kind of um, ramping up and up of like, no, we have to buck the system. There has to be something different. And actually, I don't think that's new. I mean, I think I think Robin Hood's the new new, but I think I think, you know, when I, when I was born, I'm sure my parents were out there looking for the new new at that time and their parents, you know, who's who's got the better horse drawn carriage at the time or, you know, whatever the hot new thing is. So let's talk about, Shauna, whether this should change consumer behavior, because I have to tell you, the viability of the bank was never something that I paid attention to. I was kind of like, is it close? Right. Does it have the cheapest checking? Is it? You know, are the cash machines and ATMs close enough that I can deposit? We're going back now, of course, 10, 15 years. But should we actually be saying, okay, forget all those factors. Is this bank viable when we're going to do our business? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm a big proponent of always asking questions. And I think that, you know, you're you're certainly within your realm of reason to to ask those questions. And I think this, you know, what Joe was talking about is, you know, was trying to find the new new and is the new new always as good as the old, you know, kind of guard that has been around. But I think, you know, it's really hard to answer that question, Jordan, because I don't know if we would ever get to the bottom as a consumer of 
is this bank trustworthy? You know, we don't have access to the information. And a lot of this information doesn't come out until it's too late, till something like this has happened. So I think, you know, it's a good idea always to do an audit of where is my money at? You know, do I feel comfortable with this? Have a little bit of a smell test. But I think it's really hard to to make these decisions. Speaking of the new new, that brings us to headline number two. It's a bird. It's a train. No, it's just artificial intelligence here to save the day. In 2023, we have seen the rampant expansion of AI, which not only has driven our creative ventures, but has buoyed the stock market. The massive buzz around chat, GPT, and similar forms of generative AI led companies to invest billions in the technology. Tech giants like Microsoft and Alphabet saw record stock gains as investors boarded the AI bandwagon. Perhaps the biggest winner, though, was chipmaker NVIDIA. In June, it became only the seventh U.S. company to be worth $1 trillion dollars. Joe, how will AI affect the long-term market? Small question. Simple. Simple. In, in, easy, easy in, in a few words, Joe. In a few words. <laughs> I've got the answer to 87 questions and not that one. Like there's like there's no way anybody knows where that thing ends. I mean, let's just let's just look at what happened this year. Uh Bill Gates said early in the year that this is the biggest thing to happen to computing since uh, the GUI interface, right? Which people that don't know what that is, that's the fact that you take your mouse and you can see all the little things on it. Like that that made computing so much easier for so many people and now your teenager can have a computer do all their homework, right? It's the very next next phase of this. But l- look at how wide ranging it was. I mean from the Hollywood strikes, largely a big part of that was around the role of AI in the next movie or TV series we watch. Sarah Silverman uh, uh, with a huge lawsuit because, you know, protecting uh, ChatGPT and other other uh, AIs using her voice to create automated jokes that are told with her voice. So does she own her voice? Is her voice public record? Like who owns that? There was a guy in Germany in April, an editor of a German magazine that ran a quote interview with Formula One driver, Michael Schumacher, who's one of the best drivers of all time. Michael Schumacher, I believe, I believe cannot speak. Uh, He had a horrible disability. I believe he cannot speak. The whole thing was made up by AI. And so the editor sacked of this magazine. So we're seeing this is a much more transformative time in 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 so many different fields than it's ever been i mean and we could even take AI, ai to the next level look at what the auto unions were able to negotiate when it came to their working hours mostly because of the effect of robots on building cars so you know this idea of universal income the idea of what are we going to do in the future the idea of how safe is your job and how do we stay ahead of the curve uh, man, I don't know where we're headed. When you've got names like Steve Wozniak and even Elon Musk saying we probably need to take a break and slow down, and we had the whole board of OpenAI lose their position because their position was we need to slow down, and 700 of the employees of OpenAI voted, no, we don't want to slow down. We're going to keep this train going. It's crazy. I don't know where. I, I seriously think we're in an exciting slash scary time when it comes to AI and uh, and and our careers. Shauna, the big companies are investing in AI. Should we as individual investors and how? Gosh, that's a really great question. I don't have the answer to. I, I think that it's it's 
like Joe was saying, like, we don't know where this train's going. We know it's fast moving. You know, when you were you were talking about, uh, you know, the actor strike, I was just thinking about, I was recently listening to a new um, Beatles song that came out where they used right, yeah. AI for John uh, Lennon's voice. And so I think, you know, it's it's a really careful line that I don't think we know the boundary between the line yet of how we can use AI for the good and then how AI becomes something where it does, it takes over our jobs, it takes over our, our voice. You know, I mean, we could probably use AI right now to replicate all of our voices on on this podcast. And so I think it's it's scary to think about um, what AI might replace. And I'm hoping that, you know, a lot of the excitement over AI has maybe dwindled a little bit. I know a lot of people who um, in my world were using AI for everything, for writing things, for, um, you know, everything from like creating menu planning and I mean, using AI for everything and then saying like, wait a minute, I I think maybe I want a little bit more human interaction in there. I want a little bit more control over things. So, you know, I'm hoping that we kind of get to a place where there is that that sweet spot. And we know the boundaries between, but I, I just don't know how long that's going to take. I feel like the pushback on AI is definitely a real thing and a discussion that that we're finally having, which has also led this year to a bigger discussion. I've never done so many episodes on burnout than I did this year. And I think what created this stream in the zeitgeist, at least the zeitgeist that I've been feeling around burnout has a lot to do with the bigger thing around AI, which is just social media in general, about how social media has has so changed the landscape. And I think people are looking at the rubble of the last five, six, seven, eight years and going, what have we done? Like all this stuff that makes us more social has us feeling more isolated than we ever have before. We're trying to go faster, which is why we're going slower. We're afraid of ourselves. We're afraid of other people. We're afraid of, of not being good enough, right? So we, we, we don't communicate. I mean, th- there's these huge implications, and I'm glad we're finally, this year, I feel like starting to pause and go, why am I so burnt out? What, what do I do with my day that creates that? And is AI going to actually make this any better? Financial anxiety, anyone? Yeah, you're not alone. But worrying about it, it doesn't help. Earnin does. Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 per day as you work and leave an additional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So how would you spend the money you get from Earnin? Well, honestly, my hubby and I have been feeling a little bit disconnected lately. That's what happens after you've been together about 12 years. So I would spend the money on a special date night with dinner and maybe bowling you know, to bring back some of that giggly excitement that we both felt at the beginning. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security, gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin, T-A-L-K-A-N, money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin money under podcast. 
Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Listen, if you've been using Mint to manage your money, I have got some news for you. First, the bad news. As you might know, Mint is shutting down for good. But the good news... Well, there is a way better alternative that is a personal favorite of mine, Monarch Money. And I'm not the only lover of Monarch Money. Many Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and just raving about it. I used to manage my money with an Excel spreadsheet. I know, so archaic. And it was so time consuming. I tried all of the apps, but I just didn't find one I liked until I found Monarch. And I've got to tell you a secret. Monarch is so easy to use with a very intuitive design. You can even collaborate with your partner and you can customize Monarch for whatever your needs are. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Let's go back to the collaboration bit. Because we know money is a leading cause of divorce and breakups, Monarch has built-in collaboration features so you can invite your partner at no extra cost. You can see all your finances, make a budget together, get insights on your cash. Yes, cue the confetti. There will literally not be any more arguments over money. And if you've been frustrated with personal finance apps that are cluttered with ads, difficult to use, or rarely updated, so was Monarch. They built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive and powerful ad-free, and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Monarch has a tool that allows you as well to easily import your data from Mint. You can keep all of your tags and all of your categories. After trying Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com etm for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Speaking about pausing and conversations that cause us burnout, let's get to headline number three, inflation. What inflation? The rate hikes just kept coming in the beginning of the year in an attempt to fight inflation. The Federal Reserve raised interest rates 0.25 percentage points in each of its February, March, May, and July meetings. That made her for a streak of 11 consecutive rate hikes since March 2022, bringing the federal funds rate from 0.25% to 5.5% in the space of little over a year. The rates, however, were held steady in September and the November meetings. Could we see one more 25 basis point increase in December? Joe, another big question here. I know you're not an economist, but from where you sit, is the Fed doing a good job? I mean, is it doing the right thing? The, the, that's above my pay grade. 
I mean, I'm a personal finance guy, so deal with the facts the way they are, not the way you hope that they will be or, you know, uh, wish for. But uh, I think the Fed has one mission, which is to, well, actually, I'll take that back. Uh, I think the Fed has two missions to look at uh, the the heating up of the economy and the job market. So looking at looking at just those those two things, so inflation and jobs. And the problem the Fed had, I believe, is and this might be giving them the benefit of the doubt for for jacking up things so quickly, which has created a tidal wave in a lot of uh, uh, different, maybe not anticipated ways, is that I think the pandemic created a bunch of conditions we haven't seen before. And so, so when you've got when you've got an economy that's as weird as it is, with job numbers as good as they were, like those two things don't usually go together. Yeah, and now we've got high interest rates, and we still, in many sectors, have a pretty okay job market. Not wonderful, but not horrible. Yeah, it's not supposed to work that way. It isn't yeah. supposed to work that way at all. So, <laughs> so we're in a we're in a different place. But I do think so. I will take out my crystal ball because I think this one is fairly easy. Which is no, I don't think we're going to see any more interest rate raises, and and I feel like uh, not only our our Fed chairman, but w- when you just see uh, other Fed governors talk, that I think they're all signaling that we're kind of in a well, let's see what mess we made mode, much more than let's raise it more mode. And I wish I knew what that meant. I mean, I wish I knew where we go. I don't know if bonds made your list, but we could talk about bonds as kind of an offshoot of this as well, Shana. Obviously, none of us have a crystal ball, but I find myself feeling a little bit better about inflation lately. How are you feeling? You think that we've kind of passed the worst of at least our recent inflation woes? Or are you still questioning whether there's more to come? I think that um, if I pull out my crystal ball as well, I would I would actually agree with Joe. You know, I think that um, we're in this don't, moment. Don't, of- ag- don't agree with Joe. That's no fun. <laughs> what do you mean agree with Joe? I know, right? I know, I know. I- I'll do Stop, Shauna, keep going. Stop, I'll keep going. I'll do it this Stop, one time. I'll do it this one time. I do think, you know, we're in in, in this moment of, of kind of flex of, um, you know, we might have climbed the mountain peak and now everybody's kind of looking around to see the damage that, that might have been done. And, you know, can we can we go down the mountain peak without uh, doing more damage? I was just reading an article this morning and I cannot quote who the economist was. I can't remember his name, but he had looked ahead and had seen that uh, or he was one of the first ones that predicted that we were kind of going to be at this, you know, uh, five, five and a half percent kind of Fed rate um, and that mortgage rates were going to go up to about eight percent kind of peak there. And now he's saying his prediction is that, uh, you know, we're going to see the rates decline in 2024. And and he predicts we're going to get somewhere around like a 3%-ish rate, somewhere around there in, in 2024. But he did say that, you know, he thinks it's still going to be a little bit of a rocky road to get there because what you're both saying, we're kind of in uncharted territory. You know, things that were supposed to happen or correlate haven't really correlated the last few years. And so... Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen in 2024, but I, I really think we're going to we're going to see a little bit of a climb down that mountain. Looking at the looking at the credit card numbers, Shauna, I don't know how you feel about this, but looking at credit card numbers and we're we're seeing credit card balances climb. I think the average person doesn't get the inflation no, thing. Like that, like they heard all. it, they heard it on the news, and they're still living their best life without 
thinking about the fact that I go to the grocery store and the effect of I'm spending $50 more on groceries than I was, uh, you know, six months ago. Like I feel like our spending patterns haven't changed nearly enough for the inflation that we've had. I think that this, this high cost of living that a lot of us feel we don't necessarily understand where it comes from, but we're still in kind of this place, I think, post-pandemic world where we're still like, you know, I want to go on the trips. I want to buy the things. I want to do have the experiences and I don't care what it costs me. I don't care if my credit card rates are higher. It, it doesn't have any feel, but then we feel the sting of it when we do go to get gas or we go to the grocery store or we try to buy something. But those those two worlds aren't um th- those two worlds aren't correlating for us. It's like we're, I'm still gonna do the things even though I have this like immense pain when I go to the grocery store and it's a hundred dollars and I've gotten like five things. It sounds like we're talking about things that aren't working the way they're supposed to, right? The Fed rates are going up and yet we're not seeing as much unemployment as we'd expect. Inflation is high, and yet we're not getting that negative pressure from people cutting down on their spending. Joe, you mentioned it very briefly, bonds, which did not make my list, but is true. It's also one of those things that isn't acting the way it's supposed to. What's going on there? I don't know, because I, you know, as a safe place, I'll tell you for a guy that's done this a long time, I've always had this love affair with Ginny Mays. I just always thought that Ginny May is like that thing nobody ever looks at. So it was always a place where, I could recommend when I was a financial planner, I would recommend that people put money in Ginny Mays as kind of a safe second tier cash reserve. Holy crap, was that wrong? <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was so, so, so bad in this economy. And uh, and I look at the bond market and I think it's this great reminder of, I saw a guy on Twitter last year talking about, you got to think long-term, you got to look at NVIDIA and Microsoft. Microsoft haven't been great long-term. They've been great short-term. Microsoft went through like a 14-year march of death where the stock did nothing, nothing for that whole time. They were like the Japanese economy. I mean, it was just absolutely such a horrible place to be. And I remember when NVIDIA was like the laughing stock. Why are you investing in NVIDIA? Your kid, you know, buying a bunch of video game contraptions. Is, is, Is that why you're buying NVIDIA? So I think that uh, I think that even when it comes to something, Doc, as boring as bonds, like realizing that that what you believe to be true and that it can never go bad in an asset class. We are back with Shauna Game. She is the host of the Everyone's Talking Money podcast and Joe Saul Sihai, who is the author of Stack, Your Super Serious Guide to Modern Money Management. And we are talking about the biggest headlines slash financial news of 2023. And we are to headline number four, everything is good, right? According to the U.S. Treasury, the U.S. economy in 2023 outperformed expectations along three key dimensions, growing economic output, labor market resilience, and slowing inflation. Yet, when asked about the overall state of their personal finances, 34% of Americans said that they're either struggling or in crisis. Just over half of Americans, 51%, said that they were having difficulty paying their bills in the past three months, and 42% said the same thing about paying for food. Joe, why the disconnect? It's like everything's great and everything's horrible at the same time. I think it's what uh, Shauna and I were talking about earlier, which is that we still haven't seen the fallout. You know, the fallout we've seen that I've seen so far was what I mentioned earlier about uh, burnout being in the zeitgeist. You got a lot of people running a thousand miles an hour 
and they need to keep going because their their financial picture they feel like depends on it the pace of work depends on it and yet we're figuring out that we can't but i don't think we figured it out yet i think this is a 2024 story that uh we see the other shoe begin begin to drop you know it's funny we had the great resignation at first where people said you know forget this crappy boss for, for, forget this person treating me like crap. And I felt like that was a great movement because it taught employers that, no, maybe you do need to treat your people better. So I did feel like there was this movement when you look at employment blogs among employers to try to treat employees better, to do more for their employees. And yet it's a bigger thing than even that. It's It's the pace of our life. It's all the encroachment. It's the amount of time we're spending you know, flipping through TikTok videos, doing all the stuff that doesn't line up with our values. I feel like this is kind of a, this is part one of a, of a longer uh, narrative that's playing out. John, are we in the midst of a good economy or a bad economy? Cause I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. I think this is what we're talking about where things are just not, not lining up. It's, it's funny. The last week I had two friends kind of call me in a panic about they just got laid off from their job and they, you know, were sure that their job was secure. They'd been with these, you know, big companies for years and years and years. And it, it just kind of came out of the blue. And, and, uh, they both said to me in, um, in, you know, very similar words, I don't understand because everything seems to be going so well in the economy. Mm. And I just thought that was really interesting. And I started talking about a lot of the things that we're talking about now, sort of these big stories that have come out of 2023. And they said, well, yeah, but I don't really understand how any of that impacted me and my and my job. Like, how is that, how is that, you know, lining up with me getting laid off? And so I think a lot of what what Joe's saying too is like we're maybe at another moment of kind of a a you know control all delete sort of reset where we're now reshuffling through through things through our values, you know, what you know, thinking about our money, what do we want it to do for us? We're kind of at this place again where things are getting shuffled up and you know, we we don't know how how to think or how to, you know, what to do about that. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. I'm Samantha Cole host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. 
Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Joe, it really brings us to headline five, which is recession. Are we there yet? I mean, we've already talked about the Fed rate hikes and inflation, but it's also notable that U.S. existing home sales dropped to a 13-year low in August and rising credit card debt and delinquencies could be additional red flags that a slowdown in consumer spending may be right around the corner. In addition, the U.S. Treasury yield curve has been inverted since mid-2022, a historically strong recession indicator. I mean, Joe, are we doomed? I mean, it feels like, again, it feels like there's all this positive and then everyone's like just bracing for that recession that's supposed to come. Well, you know, it's funny. This is a case where, and this is sad because I love throwing Bank of America under the bus. They're my favorite target. Uh, When I was messing up with my money in the mid-90s, they were there as I was digging the hole with a bigger shovel to help me dig it harder and faster. So, but the Bank of America economist a couple of weeks ago said he thinks we sidestepped the recession. And I, and I tend to believe that uh, as well, because you know, what'll happen is if we do get those numbers increasing, the fed now has recharged their weapons to fight against these things. They have a lot of room now to move back down And we will see the Federal Reserve move interest rates down again. Over the short run, the three to five years, I think that's great. If we really look philosophically, talk about this is a philosophical podcast, we look philosophically at that. What does it mean? It means that we are a debtor country and people will open up the purse strings and they'll spend more money again, which isn't great for any of us individually. So great for the economy. Yeah. We'll pay less interest again. Yeah. People will get let off the hook again. Yeah. But, but, but long term for each of us, I, I don't know. I still, you know, I feel this malaise, but I think when it comes to recession in the economy, I don't think we're going to, I hate saying this, but I think I agree with Bank of America. <laughs> Joe, Joe is looking a little sickly in the corner over there. I mean, Sean, it's a good point. What it starts to look like, especially as Joe talks about this debtor economy, is the people who have money, who are wealthy, who have lots of assets and equities are really going to do well. Whereas the people who are kind of using that debt to subsist, it makes you wonder if we're going in the right direction. Is dropping the interest rates long-term good for everybody? It's certainly good for the short-term economy. And I would argue it's good for those of us who have lots of assets invested. Is it good for everyone? I don't know. I don't know if we can say anything is ever good for everyone. I mean, you're right. You know, people who are wealthy and have a lot of money, they definitely benefit from from these swings. I think if if lowering the interest rates helps, um, you know, with with some job losses, if it helps, if it helps people in, in the housing market and things like that. And overall, I think it's just the the sentiment, right? Because most people don't understand the underbelly of any of these things that we're necessarily talking about. And we're not economists here. We, you know, that's not our job to kind of dig around in that. But, um, you know, I think if people have this sense of, oh, okay, the headlines are now we're out of a recession or recession is going to happen. Interest rates are lowering, like things must be good. You know, I think that that just brings an overall sense of happiness to people. And, um, you know, I think that I, I again, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I think I agree with Joe who agrees with Bank of America. That's a I can't <laughs> believe I'm saying that sentence. But um, I agree. I think we have sidestepped. And I think it's interesting because, you know, last year we were talking about recession and 
uh, on my show this year, we've talked about recession. You know, it's like a broken record too. Is this thing actually happening? And I think people have have become a bit numb to this idea of recession too. Like I've heard about it so long. This thing's either happening or it's not happening, and I'm just not even going to care which way. You know, if I have my job and if I'm able to go out and spend money, those are the only things I care about. So I wanted to lighten things up a little bit for headlines six and seven. We're going to get into a bunch of personal finance geekiness. So hold on tight. Headline six is Super Nerds Unite against Dave Ramsey's 8% safe withdrawal rate guidance. <laughs> Ramsey's math is simple. I quote the wizard here. If you're making 12% in good mutual funds and inflation for the last 80 years is 4%, if you make 12 and you need to leave 4% in there for average inflation rates, that leaves you 8. So I'm perfectly comfortable drawing 8, but if you want to be a little bit conservative, 7. But for sure, not 3 or 5. Unfortunately, this math is just plain wrong. Joe, has Dave gone mad? What's going on? I mean, the math checks. If you get 12, <laughs> if you get 12, and if inflation is four, you got pretty, eight left. It's, pretty it's not simple. that simple, Joe, right? Come on. Pretty, tell me it's not that simple. Pretty simple. I think there's I think there's two things going on. I think Dave Ramsey and his 12% rant, which he's done forever, and he's her pushback on forever. I think this is just a marketing thing. I think that's fine. And I think it keeps him in the news, keeps people upset with him, which makes more people listen, which drives advertising rates up, which, you know, is heaven for the Ramsey organization. And people will learn on their own that they're not going to get 12. And who does it really hurt? If you're going to save more money because you're convinced that the stock market will actually provide something for you, which it does. Okay, that's great. In this case, I think we all went off the deep end because of the fact that that this this advice actually hurts somebody. Now, th there is another game where I agree with him, which is there's a bunch of prophets of doom out there who are always telling you don't spend any money because you're going to need some for later. And then people die and they don't spend money. Though that, that always drove me crazy when I was a financial planner. People afraid of this darkness that was never going to come or the the vast probability was that it wasn't or people that won't save because they think it's going into a black hole. Right. So uh, that part I agree with, but for the average person hearing that going, I can take 8% of my, my money out. I feel as bad for those people as I do people that want to retire at 30 years old and live in a tent the rest of their life thinking that sustains them. You know, I mean, the, the part of the fire movement that drives me crazy is the piece that I'm going to check out way too soon and barely have enough money. And hopefully everything works out right. In this case, there's no way in hell it works out right. Like if you retire and you take 8% out of your portfolio every year, you will run out of money, period, full stop. No, it's, it, it is so frustrating to hear the man who the larger public sees is one of the two or three most respected, most listened to names in America saying something that is that patently horrible for so many people. Shauna, was it an overreaction or an underreaction from the personal finance community about what Dave said? I certainly don't think it was an underreaction. I mean, like Joe said, we've heard this over and over again. This, you know, the numbers that he quotes, these are not new numbers. They're um, 
you know, it's almost like, yeah, you expect him to say, uh, you know, crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. You, this is what you expect. And I agree. This is his marketing machine. This is how it works. This is what keeps him in a headline. And so it's kind of a double edged sword because here we are talking about him and, uh, you know, promoting this message again. I, I had Joe and Paula pant on my show recently and we, we kind of dissected this message as well. But, you know, I think the majority of people out there, do not hire a financial planner, right? They don't have access to somebody looking at their numbers, creating a, a realistic uh, retirement projection for them. And so, you know, they use something that Dave says as as the as the rule, as kind of the law. And I think, you know, we all know this, but anytime somebody says something black and white when it comes to personal finance, you automatically should think that is not truth, right? There is personal finance exists in gray area. This is, you know, it's it's very personal. It's unique to each person. And so blanketing a statement like that, I think it's very dangerous because there are a lot of people out there that are just going to kind of rest on that laurel and um, not question it. This is this is what's frustrating for me. We all went crazy. We all had had uh, had positions. We all talked about it is still our little tiny fishbowl. There's still, when you take a look at all the people listening to financial content in the United States, 330 some million people in the United States, there's maybe 12 to 20 million people listening to financial stuff. The bad news is, is that uh, you could take all of us together and his audience is going to comprise, you know, a quarter of it. Of, of, of that thing, maybe, maybe a fifth, you know? So a lot of people are not going to hear the message of all of us, which is why anybody, you know, whenever anybody tells me they're like, well, I don't know if I'm going to start a new blog or I'm going to start financial writing, or I'm going to write my book or do my podcast, whatever. I'm like, please God do, because we need more voices. Like we need more people bringing creative stuff to this space so that the word gets out. Um, I love the fact that we can each be each other's compliance officer in some ways, you know, a lot of people don't know what compliance is, but in the, in the, in the, the financial universe of professionals, they have these compliance people that say what you should be able to say and what you can't, there's no compliance officer for this space. So I felt like in this case, we were all Dave's compliance officer, but different than my compliance officer. When I was a financial planner who would just completely throttle me. I feel like we still didn't throttle the Dave monster. Like there, there's going to be another one. He's going to do this again. Do okay. people care though? Do they care though? That That's my, you know, I think my takeaway is I, I don't think, I don't think it, it matters to, to most people who listen to him, who are loyal followers. For some reason, they love the way he does things. They love the way he, you know, criticizes people. They, they love the, the headlines. There's a, there's a guy named uh, Michael McQueen, a, a wonderful Australian uh, speaker who has a new book coming out called Mindstruck that I've I've been happy that I've been able to preview. And uh, Michael says that part of the problem, getting back to social media, is that is that we don't have a growth mindset. We make a we make a decision right away, often based on our gut and the people who were around. What are our identity is? So if I am a quote Dave Ramsey follower. And Dave says something and you question that thing. We're not going to question the logic. We're going to question why the hell are you questioning Dave Ramsey? 
Exactly. Which is which is what social media has taught us to do. We're increasingly on these stupid, you know, I'm going to call them football teams or these sports teams. Instead of it being our life and we're thinking about ideas, I'm on team this or team that. And whatever that team believes, I'm going to take this ridiculous position. And it's and it's so frustrating to see that so many of us, to use Michael McQueen's phrase from his new book, so many of us are mind stuck. Because we feel this need to defend our position rather than to to think, where could I be wrong? Speaking of defending your position, I'm going to give you, Joe, and also Sean, a chance to tell us what you think the biggest headline was of 2023. But before that, we should get to headline seven. You might need to budget, but you will have to pay for it. Budgeting app Mint is shutting down to the disappointment of loyal users, causing fellow app makers to declare... This is the peril of relying on free services. Unfortunately, despite its success and substantial user base, Intuit announced in October that the app will shut down as of January 1st, 2024. Shauna, are the days of the free budgeting and free fintech versions of these apps, are those days over? Are we going to have to pay for this stuff now? I think so, unfortunately. I think the answer is yes. You know, I love that a lot of us out there are talking about how you can do budgeting in a, in a free way, right? How you can create your own, how you can create an easy system without having to use an app. But I think that, um, you know, it was interesting. I read an article that said um, that one of the reasons why Mint was was okay going away was they were saying that, you know, not a lot of people these days are using budgeting apps. So they didn't even think it was... Um, you know, worthy of them to to keep Mint going. Of course, I know it's probably not that simple. And I would be really interested in seeing those data points. I had a, a lot of people um, kind of up in arms uh, emailing me about what do they do? What do they, where do they go now? What, you know, what happens to their, their data and all this kind of information that they've had, you know, stored in Mint for years. And I know a lot of the the paid apps now are kind of, you know, scrambling to to make sure that that customers have a way to import data. Of course, at a price, right? I, I think it's it's just unfortunately this is the kind of the world you know we're in. I mean, I I you know cut my cable years ago, right, to use all the the different you know streaming apps, and now I'm paying way more. <laughs> if I had just kept my cable, you know, and I I'm sort of over here just like laughing at myself, and they keep increasing their prices over and over again. It's like, what are you going to do? You know. So I think it's just it's part of this kind of subscription membership model world that we exist in now. Wouldn't it be cool, Sean, if somebody bundled all those apps together so you could watch them all in oh, one man. like platform? Wouldn't that be <laughs> that'd be amazing? Man, if somebody ever thought <laughs> that'd of that. Fantastic. That'd be so wild. You know, was what I love about paid apps, what I love about it is that my problem with Mint was every time that I would click on Mint, I was being marketed. So I was not Mint's Mint's uh uh I wasn't using the product as much as I was being used as a as a way Marketing, for them to yep. yeah generate revenue. So when I pay, I should then have a big right to complain if I'm being used as marketing. And I should back to Shauna loving asking questions. That's one of the first questions is what are you doing with my information? What how other how else are you making money? What I like about some of these, uh, the, the paid apps or most of the paid apps out there is that I know that they're being paid. I know how they're being paid and I can see the direct result of that. The second thing I like is that I've always, this was a big aha for me that I had in my late twenties because I used to love free stuff and I realized 
when I would use free products, I would never fully use them. I would never fully embrace them. I felt like they could be a buffet. I could use the piece that I liked. I didn't like, you know, when I pay for stuff, I feel compelled that I have to use it because I paid for it. Right. Or I let it go. So what I love about paying for an app is it puts some of my money behind my actions that I will use this on an, on an ongoing basis. Well, those were my top seven financial headlines. Shauna, what did we miss? Anything on your list we didn't talk about? Yeah, I would say, you know, the student loan forgiveness, uh, you know, kind of being wiped away. And we've got now the, you know, payment pause has ended. And I think a, a lot of people are looking at their student loans and, you know, back to that, like, very strong pay point of, I can't believe that I'm in the mess that I'm that I'm in. I got an education and, you know, now I have this this massive payment or, you know, I have to now figure out kind of these new plans and what new plan I need to be on. But I think, you know, uh, what I'm hearing from a lot of my community is back in the place of even if they're on a payment plan where they have a low monthly payment, it's that pain that they're feeling again from having the student loans from not being forgiven and from, you know, kind of looking forward to their future and thinking about how do I balance these massive student loans with the other money goals I have, let alone saving for retirement. And I think it's just become kind of an overwhelming place again that, you know, most people were able to escape a little bit the last couple of years. Well, who thought that that would happen at the same time the interest rates are notching up, right? You've got inflation going up at the same. It was totally the perfect storm. And I feel like while we did see debt levels go down a lot and a lot of people did very responsible things with their money during the pandemic, which I totally cheered. I, I have more faith in humanity during, during the, during the pandemic and seeing what people, a lot of people are doing with their money uh, than I think I've ever had my entire life. But I still think there was a percentage of the population to quote uh, comedian Brian Regan, who woke up and went, oh, the science project due tomorrow. I've had four months to work on it and I've done nothing. Right. We knew I mean, that's my favorite way to do things. Right. right. (laughs) We knew this day was coming for how long it it got delayed for how long. And so, well, like everybody else, when the Supreme Court uh, told the administration, nope, we are moving forward. And repayments are going to start. I groaned like everybody else did because you knew that uh, that that was finally going to happen. It had to happen sooner or later. We had to be ready for it. Joe, other big headlines, either your favorites or ones we missed. Uh, th- there's well, well <laughs> <laughs> he had us a list of 100. How, but, much, how but, much time yeah. do we have? Right? <laughs> well, let's talk about the big one. Right. Okay. Which is that when, when, when hopefully this is so fun, uh, I had so much fun doing this last year. I had so much fun doing it this year. If we're sitting here this time next year talking about this, you know, we're talking about the crazy, crazy election year and the circus was wilder already with a year to go than it's ever. And I say this every election, it was wilder this time than it ever was here. We have, let's talk about, let's talk about the two candidates that are winning. We've we've got on the on the Democrat side, even though he's not much older than the Republican front runner, every time he comes out, he looks like he's 190 years old <laughs> and he talks like he's 190 years old and he loses his place. And you know what? Increasingly, when you look at at presidents that left a big mark, it's to be of uh, whether you agree with what 
Joe Biden did or not. It's to be a uh, a voice, a speak pipe, to be this. And and I watching that guy talk for the next four years, I I can't figure out what Democrats are doing. Not going, hey Joe, maybe we've had enough. On the other side, the alternative. <laughs> I mean. On the other side, we've got the biggest clown show going on with a dude is being prosecuted in how many different courts? Like, and people don't care. Yeah, at and least one of them has to be all. right, right? At least one of them has to be right. It is amazing. We saw at the end of at the end of my street, and this is not at all an endorsement, but at the end of my street, I live in a very conservative town in and on the border of Texas and Arkansas, traditionally very conservative area. I saw at the end of my street last week, somebody had a Nikki Haley for president sign. And I was like, oh my God, we have one person. <laughs> we have one person who might be a little bit of a thinker. And that's not a Nikki Haley endorsement. That's just we have these two people that that are the front runners. And it's, it's just, oh, it's such a train wreck. And I just, it means the next year, if it, if, if you're not ready for the circus to come to town, you need to fortify yourself today because it's not going to, it's going to get worse. Buckle up, buckle up. Yeah. I think it's a great place to end this episode of warning about the circus coming into town because it I most got 18 more, <laughs> 18 more. Yeah. Joe, Joe, we don't got time for all 18 of those. I'm sorry. <laughs> we didn't talk about taylor swift <laughs> you know she's a billionaire taylor swift I you know she's so. a billionaire oh wow we all can't be as successful as taylor swift but hopefully after listening to these at least seven top financial stories you will do better with your money thank you so much john and john thank you so much joe well, and shauna shauna if people want to reach out to you or have questions what's the easiest way to get in touch with you you can find my show, Everyone's Talking Money, on any podcast player. You can also find me on Instagram at Shauna Game, and I would love to dive deeper into these topics with you. And Joe, if for any strange reason anyone wants to ask you questions <laughs> or get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Hey, the number one thing on my list that happened this year was we created a real estate show called Stacking Deeds. It's a lot of fun with our buddy Crystal Hammond, and it's every Tuesday. If you're at all uh, thinking about real estate investing, it's made for people that are just trying to get started. So head to Stacking Deeds, wherever you're listening to Earn and Invest. So I think there were probably so many more financial headlines that we could talk about in 2023. We didn't talk about the women kind of taking over, right? Beyonce and Taylor Swift and this in the Barbie movie and... Uh, that sort of phenomenon that really women were holding up the economy this summer. I think that is definitely a big financial headline to talk about because there's so many other things to dive into. I think that's what's so interesting about every single year is although there are a lot of the same headlines over and over again, there's always something new. There's always something coming out of the the weeds, if you will, and I don't know, maybe this is what makes money a, a fascinating topic. Certainly, I've done over a thousand episodes on my show. That's really hard for me to believe. But there's always something else to talk about when it comes to money. So thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this special episode. It's always fun to bring somebody else's point of view on money to the show. So we're going to be doing a few more of these 
in the in the new year in the upcoming months bringing you some episodes that I'm actually a guest on so we can explore these topics from a little different perspective so do please go over to the earn invest podcast make sure you subscribe there are so many great episodes uh, on his show as well as Joe Salcihai from Stacking Benjamins just make it a whole, you know, kind of cornucopia of <laughs> money experts and uh, money shows because there's always more perspectives. And I think you can get a little bit of something from everybody's show. And it just makes your view of money, I think, uh, that much wider, right? So I hope you enjoyed this this episode. And I will see you back here in a few days for a brand new one. Mm-hmm.